Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. of coming to New York for uh, an in-person Disclosure Network. Oh, I couldn't be more uh, happy about that, Hercules. That would be terrific. And you're picking, of course, the very first program for 2019, and it's going to be a really important meeting on many levels, as you'll find out in the next hour. So I'm thrilled that you're going to come. And don't forget that we have a coffee hour after the, after the meeting at a uh, really nice diner Unfortunately, nice. I hope you can come to that too. Okay, without further ado, I will leave you to Professor C, and I'll be here listening. Okay, uh, let me first give a little background to uh, what Disclosure Network New York is, and that is a grassroots organization now celebrating our 18th year of providing two meetings per month throughout the year in Manhattan. We focus on cutting edge. UFO, ET issues, paranormal phenomenon, and many closely related subjects. Our members do intense investigative research into these various topics, and we share that information with our group at our meetings and with our Internet followers both on YouTube as well as our website. Uh, The website is www.dn. NY.info. And that will get you right to the website and that will give you uh, lots of updates on what we're doing and about the, the next meeting. Uh, the motto right from day one has been connecting the dots to see truth. 
We have available to everyone worldwide something called DNNY News Blast, and that's an email service focusing on the topics of special interest that is totally free. You just have to go to the website, again, dnny.info, and type in your email address where it's asked for, and then you'll be connected with our group and cutting-edge information that will come to you on a series of emails throughout the year. Okay, now I'm very excited uh, to, to have with us as my guest today, Professor C. Uh, a very warm welcome to you, C. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, oh, and I've been good. so looking forward. Okay, I have forward. my headset on. Great, great, great. Uh, well, hi, Nick, and hi, Hercules. It's really nice to be on the show. Great to have you. And uh, I'd like to start the interview with, with uh, a few questions about your background so the audience know you just a bit better. We'll start off with question number one. Uh, can you hear me? No, I, I just lost you there. Okay, I, uh, the first question around. I had yeah. was just, uh, was, where were you born? Oh, I was born in Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn, you're a Brooklynese, okay. I am, and, uh, I am a Brooklynese. Did you go, uh, were you from a large family with brothers and sisters, or what was that like? No, I was an only child who was always strange. So there you go. <laughs> right? That's probably it. I mean, I was an only child who was very strange, I guess, to the people around me, but I had lovely parents, a very crazy family, um, as a lot of Italian-American families are. We were second generation, right? We were second generation born here. My grandfather immigrated legally from Italy in the early part of this uh, of last century, and um, yeah, it was it was a trip. All that was a trip. I I think that all of it started for me when I was very young, and um, I I I think that there's you know. I began, I'm old, so I began the process of disclosure and trying to understand things in the 70s. And at that point, I was really, yeah, yeah, I was about 14, 15, 16 years old. I started to um, be introduced to spirituality like the Zen and Buddhist movements, um, you know, Hinduism of the East basically came through. And then um, the Seth material when I was 18 was really powerful for us. And then that, that the medical thing was just because I was so, I, I questioned the doctors all the time and then began reading and eating differently. So I've been eating, basically, I've been a vegetarian since I was 17, and that's really a long time ago. So um, that, you know, that's where it all kind of began. Like I was skeptical and then I started to do research and one thing led to another. And before long in the eighties, um, Art Bell had a radio show and everybody listened to it. I'm sure you did. And yes, um, did. he taught, right. And he talked about uh, ETs and that opened up a door. And then I found a book by uh, Billy Meyer called message from the Pleiades and other yes. books like that. And it began to just make me believe or feel, I felt instinctively because, you know, you, you, you really, unless you've had the experience, and even if you've had the experience, that experience could have been forced or uh, created through technology. So it's, it's all kind of weird. But um, that opened the door. And then through the 80s and the 90s, you know, you suffer a lot of ridicule. But then um, in the 90s, I started hearing about what the government was doing and other stuff. 
And to be mm. honest, when it's when like in 1991, 92, I didn't believe it. I just thought it sounded silly. You know, like that couldn't be possibly true. Um, right, exactly. People, right? I mean, that's yep. just too far out. Um, but that, in fact, it in fact is true. And um, we're dealing now with uh, a, a kind of perception control that has happened because so much has come out in the past 10 years that um, it, it, it's mind-boggling. And um, I spend a lot of time now while I'm working because I can work with YouTube on, let's say. So I'm learning a lot that way and listening a lot that way besides doing my own research. So um, the group has been a real, the UFO group in New York has been um, a major you know, force uh, for New York, and it's been consistent because of you, Nick, and um, everybody in it is really incredible. So it's been really, I, I can't come as much as I'd like to, but it's, a, it's been a wonderful experience for me. Well, thank you for saying that. And, I you know, I do agree with you that uh, I, I feel blessed that the uh, people that come to the meetings uh, are searching for truth. They do deep research. They share that information. And um, I also share with you the fact that at one point a while back, I thought that the news was uh, legitimate. It was what was going on and that the government oh, sure. wasn't hiding anything at all. And then you get this this pail of cold water straight in your face, and you realize right. that is really not true at all. Then it makes you go back and rethink everything, right? Absolutely. And I, I think that um, what a lot of people didn't know, and this really became obvious to a group of people, at least at the early part of the century, was that all the media companies and publishing houses were owned by six companies. And one of those, of course, was uh, AOL Time Warner. Um, I, I can't think off the top of my head, but there were six. And there was a website called The Big Six. Of course, all that's been taken down since then. Um, <laughs> but I was really uh, worried about this. this, because I am in media, and I was worried that you know, if this is what's happening, then how are we going to counter it? Of course, you know, if you go on YouTube and start looking around, you'll see thou literally thousands of journalists and people who are uncovering stuff. Um, and, you know, some of them have sacred cows that they can't go, they can't touch. Others go there and they get in trouble. But at least all in all, they kind of get the word out. So I support all those guys and, and always have. It really, the big push for those guys has been over the past five years or six years. But I've been at this for 30 years, over 30 years. So, you know, I'm watching it evolve. And the funny thing is that when I first kind of learned or really understood what was happening, I, I think there's a part of you that shields you from the truth. And you say, well, it can't be that bad. That's crazy. It just can't be. And you tell yep. yourself this because you're a well-educated person. I mean, you know, a lot of us in the group have master's degrees. I have an, an MFA. And, you know, we, we were well-educated in the system. So even though somebody like me is innately suspicious or questioning, um, it doesn't mean that I believe that things are bad. Not until about five years ago, I guess, or six years ago, when people really started coming out. The 9-11 thing was always uh, crystal clear, untrue to me. I knew it was untrue. We watched it happen here in New York. I was, I was home on my way out when it happened, and um, it was all very weird. And I think that was 
the thing that opened up a lot of minds because after that, it seemed like a lot of people were digging and becoming interested. And, you know, for me, that was just one more thing. So I, I guess I, I, I wanted to ask you about, like, the fact that there are all these degrees of being awake. So you can be awake about the government but not be awake about vaccines. You can be awake about vaccines, but you may not be awake about because there was a, a, a colleague of mine up at school who is very into the ET thing and even attended an ET meeting um, that was called out um, sometime, I guess, a couple of years back. He was at that meeting and he didn't know anything about vaccines and about the damage of vaccines. Um, and he was having a kid. So I didn't want to, I've learned not to really talk to people about what they fear, because this is all about what they perceive is true and their emotional feelings of fear and lack of strength. And to me, those are the areas that I'm most interested in when I talk to people, like to either not go into areas where they're afraid. I don't need to awaken people. There's plenty of people out there that I could just point somebody to, and they would either shut it down, be afraid, but certainly it's there. So I'm more interested in um, really trying to get people to realize that they have an inner power, especially during this time when we feel totally powerless. And I think most of us as Americans realize how powerless we really have been. And, and, you know, I, people say, oh, well, it's our fault. No, I really don't think it's our fault. I don't think it's humanity's fault. I think we've been deceived in a very, very, very complete way and almost under every – so in other words, if you say you want – if you're a generous, kind person who has friends from all walks of life in every color of the rainbow and every sexuality – um, pretty much, right? If you have that in your life, but you still feel that the country should have borders, you're really a crazy person. You're a horrific person. You're a, a Republican, for God's sake. So the idea of being sensible about stuff has also sort of left us. So people may be awake um, in certain spiritual ways, but then they're not awake in sort of practical ways. So I think when you're awake across the board, you become very lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I totally agree, and that's one of the reasons we started uh, Disclosure Network New York is because this was powerful uh, material, powerful information that we really didn't know. Uh, the mainstream did not know this. And when, we, when Dr. Greer uh, came to New York and did a lecture and awakened a lot of people, and uh, I was on the PR committee for that, for his uh, incredible talk, and when it was over and the volunteers on the PR committee were saying goodbye, me and a couple of other people said, wait a moment. We're not say, we shouldn't say goodbye. We should say what's next in New York City. We need to really take a good look at this. And so we started Disclosure Network New York, um, and that was 18 years ago. And so we've done, we have a great track record of uh, speakers of roundtable discussions of digging deep into everything that you're you're mentioning and much more. And also, I wanted to you had mentioned reporters and and writers, and I know personally some reporters who who really are responsible and have tried to put stories, real stories about dangers, about things that they researched and found out. And their editors have simply said. We're not going to print that goodbye. And, and yeah. after some goodbyes, they, they chose to leave 
and do something else because they couldn't take the fact that they couldn't say the truth uh, in, in, uh, out to, the, to the, the public that they were writing for. And a lot of the best reporters uh, said goodbye and, and deserted ships because the truth was not going to come out. The, the editors, for the most part, wouldn't let it out because they're under orders not to say anything. Um, maybe there's a reason they say, well, it's national security, but a lot of times, as you very well know, that's a mask of just saying we're not going to we're, we're, we're going to keep them dumb. We're not going to tell them what's really going on. Uh, and and boy, has that been a uh, a way to blind people, as as you well know. Well, so that's, so been, that's what's going on with the reporters, yeah, and, yeah. and and some of the reporters uh, do contribute to our to our group, and uh, we've had people come in and really ask some very tough questions and we try to answer them as best we can and also get researchers to research that information and that brings us to uh, this wonderful meeting which is the first meeting we're going to have for Disclosure Network New York coming up this Sunday at 2 o'clock at the, the Gay Center on West 13th Street and uh, I want to I want to focus on that. You have been see an amazing help to me in uh, helping to to plan uh, this this uh, outreach that we're doing uh, to really disseminate uh, in, important information to a great many more people. And as you know, I had developed uh, uh, forty items that I thought people right. should know about. People should have an idea. And most of these items you're not going to find on mainstream media. You're not going to find it at all, or they're going to make fun of some of these items because they're told to do that, to discredit some of these things that can hurt and kill people uh, as we speak. Uh, fluoride would be a good example in the water supplies. Uh, the fact that toothpaste products almost all have fluoride in them and that weakens people's health. That's incredible, and yet, and yet it's still there after so many years. Uh, chemtrails in the sky, raining down poisonous substances on us worldwide, and none of the health departments will touch it. Will touch it, and that's right. just the beginning. You know, the list goes on. It's 40 items, and uh, would you please? I would like you to just, if you will. Uh, you've you've uh, very nicely compiled this into uh, major headings, and if you could just read some of those the, the headings we have, just so they get some idea of, of what we're talking about. Oh, sure. Well, the areas you covered were pretty much everything. So you covered UFO and hidden science, which includes in that large area. It includes uh, all kinds of technology that's been kept away from the public that could literally heal our bodies and change everything, but you know, they, they want to keep an agenda that they, they have another agenda that they want to keep going. The other thing is mind control, which everybody thinks is just ridiculous. How could that possibly be? And it's very funny because, of course, everybody's mind controlled to think that that could never happen. But um, <laughs> there's all, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of ways. And the phone, and I see the mind control of the phone directly when I'm teaching at university. I see that people can't put their phones away. They are addicted. They are literally addicted. And, and new science has come out. A variety of studies have come out to say that there's actually some, the brain is actually doing something really screwy. So you have mind control in there, which is uh, you've covered three areas, um, the mainstream media that we just spoke about, the major attack on young people's morals, you, you call it, 
um, and then we and then the internet thought police, and then the planetary and human poisoning, which is uh, another area that uh, people won't believe. Why would they? They would never do that to us. And it's like, well, actually, you're nothing to these people. I don't know when. That's a big wake up call. People have to sort of see that. And then the one world government idea, which frankly I thought was the stupidest thing I ever heard when I first heard about it in the 80s. I thought, oh, that could never be. That's ridiculous. Um, but obviously we've seen very clear moves to sort of mess the world up to, and create this migrant problem, which um, there's no solution to. You can't just push a bunch of people into an area and expect everybody there to accept that. You've got to make provision, and they don't do that, and, you know, and then finally, the, the population control, which sort of fits under um, the mind control stuff and the planetary uh, extinction, the destruction idea, which is just, you know, the G5G, uh, the, the martial law stuff, you know, that people have heard about, and the surveillance, which really is, there's so much of it, and it's totally ridiculous. It, it, doesn't, it isn't necessary, and it was all brought in under the Patriot Act, which was signed by Congress overnight on a weekend, and it was probably, I think someone said, you know, it was hundreds of pages, so nobody read it. Um, yep, so this that's is what right. we're, this is what, we know, we're, this is kind of what we're up against, and I feel personally what I'm up against is living in the world, living in New York City, which is an incredibly sleepy place, um, because people are very busy going to their jobs, uh, making money, uh, buying stuff. Uh, and trying to, you know, I guess survive, and there isn't a lot of time for anything else. So, you know, that the difficulty is, I guess if I live, there are places, I know they are, there are, I see people on YouTube, and, you know, there are places that are less um, kind of, uh, I guess, restrictive. New York is pretty restrictive, I think. That's why your group is such a, a godsend, you know. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, yeah I, that's I'm true. very proud of the group because of the fact that, we all share exactly what you just said, and yet we, we make time because we think this is hugely important to not only our lives, but the lives of our loved ones, our family, friends, and uh, to the world. Uh, th- this affects everybody. And the more well, you research you, this and get deeper in, you realize the depth of all these various categories. Um, right. I just want to just be clarify one thing is that this coming Sunday uh, at 2 o'clock, we're going to have an open meeting. It will be a roundtable discussion, and anybody interested is welcome to come. You need to RSVP, of course, and to do that, go to the website, Disclosure Network New York, or dnny.info. That's all you need, dnny.info, and you'll see how to make an RSVP. And carefully follow those four steps and uh, to make sure that we get it and then we will give you a confirmation on, on the Internet uh, on an email. But uh, anyone interested is welcome to come to this meeting, but we do need to know beforehand who's coming so we can plan. And what that meeting is going to be uh, for, from 2 to 4 o'clock is uh, just see what, you're, what you just read. It will be discussing how these issues affect us and who in the group would be an authority because they've done a lot of research on these various topics and will they write a paper uh, aimed at, at uh, the general audience of telling them about these, what's going on and giving them a couple of websites so they can visit the websites 
and check further if they'd like to uh, uh, in depth about what came about. And so it's, it's a meeting to start disseminating information, important information that most people do not know, have not a clue about. And again, it affects them, their family, friends, their kids, and, and, and their neighborhoods and, and the world. And so so that, this is an important meeting. It's a first step in a series of meetings, which we'll be doing throughout the year on these various subjects. Um, what I wanted to do, see, is be, and you already were kind enough to read the headings, but I want to go just uh, quickly through some of the categories again uh, with a few of the, of the points, just to give them some idea of the, of the scope of what we're talking about. And we'll start with UFO and hidden science. Uh, and that, that's huge. It's probably the most hidden secret uh, the government has. Uh, very few people know the extent of what they found, of the fact that there's communication and has been since the 40s that we know of, of ETs. And the government is very much involved in all that uh, in a level you wouldn't even believe. So that's, um, A, the subject UFO and hidden science. Um, uh, crop circles is on that list, right? And also right. new power sources. And why would new power sources be important? Because obviously ETs and UFOs are not coming here with gas engines. There's whole new technologies that if we had them, we could then stop uh, hurting the earth and digging up the, uh, the uh, coal, oil, and all that and destroying our, literally destroying our planet because we would have new power sources. And the forces that be have stopped the knowledge of these power sources, which they now have, because it would ruin their business of coal and oil and so forth. Uh, and, and electricity, electricity would be free literally if we had these power sources. So in sp instead of having a huge bill every month, you wouldn't. That's a gigantic uh, advantage to having this out. And, of course, that has been stopped a long time ago uh, by very uh, uh, terrible means. Uh, do you want to comment on uh, crop circles? Do, do you well, have I mean, I've, I've studied crop circles. I've, I've watched uh, lots of – I own, actually, a couple of um, – videos about them. Um, I think that uh, there's two sides to it. I think on the one side, um, it seems very clear that things, these things appear overnight. They've been videotaped. No one knows how they happen. They don't do any damage to the, the, the grains, that they, the fields that they come out in. And then there's the other side that people have faked them and just to, I guess, make trouble or just to, just to I don't know what, what the reason would be. But they can pretty much tell the difference between the two. Um, I, I know how important this issue is, but I feel like for most regular people, like I'm really a foot soldier, you know, I'm down on the ground cause I teach and I'm with people. I I'm an artist. I I'm with a lot of colleagues. So I'm on the ground and I feel like this stuff to them is interesting. It seems like safe in a funny way because it's crazy. Like in other words, to them, it's so crazy that, it's it's safe to talk about it because it's certainly not true. But if people really did know the extent of that secrecy, um, that there's a good chance, and there are many solid people. I don't have the, their names off the top of my my head, but there are many people who talk about the fact that we have bases on other planets and that we've been 
involved in a kind of human slave trade. And I mean, really, really bad stuff. So it's like um, the UFO issue is huge. And I think it won't happen until a lot of the smaller issues get, get settled, which the smaller issues, of course, are the ones that you have on the list that are huge. But they're like our everyday life, our money, you know, stuff like that. Um, as part of your one world government, it, the money is a big deal. And frankly, the money is the whole deal. Because if we weren't in the situation we're in with money and having all these taxes taken out and having money siphoned off, we would all be a lot freer to do things that we want. So I'll just throw that in. I mean, I think right now what's going on is that a lot of illegal money stuff is coming to the surface, but it won't be covered by the news because the news people might even have some complicity with it. So we're in a well, you're, you're talking about uh, black projects, black projects that we know exist and have been going on for quite some time and, and ciphering trillions of dollars, trillions of dollars every oh, sure. year. And that, could, that, that money could have been used for bridges and better roads and all kinds of things, repairing and uh, putting, putting us up to date in America, and instead it's, it's gone. It's gone, and nobody well, will Nick, tell there's, there's, there's someone named There's someone named uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, and your audience may know her. She's an economic person. She worked under, I believe she worked under Bush. She mm-hmm. uh, worked in, uh, in the, the, the HUD office, and she uncovered an enormous amount of, of uh, stealing. And through the years, she has fought the government. She's been on, she's had lawsuits about software that she developed, but she's very credible, and not only is she credible, but she's just pretty brilliant. And um, she appeared at um, one of Carrie Cassidy's uh, Project Camelot. I think it was Carrie Cassidy's, but I know Carrie Cassidy interviewed her at a black ops uh, conference. And Catherine said all she did was follow the money, and it just goes into yep. this black hole. But I'm yeah. also talking about the money that they're now uncovering all of the hearings that have been now uncovered about the billions of dollars that have been siphoned off of all kinds of foundations and funds, um, but now they have paper trails and they have text and they have all that stuff. So what Catherine does, I think, and I, I would, I, I think Catherine is a great gateway person, and I'm interested in, in identifying those people who are gateway people who are are really have a wonderful history, are totally solid, who have never deviated from their cause but who also really think what we think, like they have come to similar conclusions. Um, so she works with Richard Dolan a lot, and I think Richard Dolan is sort of the ace UFO guy for people who know nothing about UFOs. Right. He's got he's, some he's really great... He's in that direction. He's, a, he's quite, he's quite a, uh, uh, an amazing man who has a lot of information and disseminates that in a brilliant way and the more people are being educated every day because of him uh, as well as her and by the way I think that she is a real hero to us all she's a brilliant brilliant woman I've seen some of the videos and hats off to her Um, also I want to just mention before we continue to the next uh, uh, panel is that um, there is a plan it's been going on for many many years by the evil elite with trillions of dollars to create, are you ready for this? A false attack of ET, like an ET invasion. Why would they do that? To bring the people worldwide to their needs and starting to accept uh, 
uh, NWO takeover worldwide. I mean, think of that. If to, to mount something like that, to put false images, to to create literally oh, sure. uh, yeah. false ETs and ships in the skies that people right. would swear are real and bring and bring people to their knees worldwide, so they would accept the new world order, which is probably the most evil thing you can imagine. And this, and who's who was the one of the people who said who warned us about this? One of von Braun, of all people. Oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's well, the people on deathbed said that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. anyhow, that, a, that's a big deal. If that were true, that's huge. And, and we've got to warn well, people that that is a possibility, and it, it has been planned for over 40 years. Well, the thing about that is that if they pull that card, it is their last card. So I in the meantime, so. they have to come down financially, and that's what that's what's going on right now with the White Hats. And I do believe that's happening, even though that sounds crazy. I think that it is happening because I listen to – People that I, I think are really smart, Field McConnell and Abel Danger is a wonderful source for um, information. And Field McConnell is, uh, you know, actually a witness to a lot of this stuff, has information, has, and has written a few books. He's an ex-Marine and a very solid guy. And, you know, I, I, like when I hear them talk about this, they, the talk was that the little white thing that happened in a story of Queens last week was a little experiment, a blue bean experiment. Now, that's one thing I heard. You know, I heard a bunch of different people interpreted it, but then some underground intel sources said this was actually a little display of, like, see what we can do. We can, we can make it look like there's a UFO, or we can make it the skies change color. And I think that that idea is not going to work as much as I think they really believe that it could. It seems like now to me that so many people are onto it, even in New York City. You know, like it, it's like we're a group of people that wouldn't buy it, and there's a bunch of us that would question it. It's not across the board. So, and even yeah, okay, they could appear in some Muslim country, and be Allah could be in the sky. Um, that could happen. But they're also, you know, we have to keep remembering that this is a war. It's it's both a it's an, a, an underground war, and there are good people around the world, you know, at Interpol and all the spy agencies. They're not all bad because if they were, I think we have been marching to their tune a long time ago. So there's been a struggle, and I, I've heard people say that that would be the last thing, the last card they would play because they're doing the migration thing to keep disrupting everybody they're doing the money thing with, like, you know, just continuing on this. Everybody's getting penalized for everything, you know, and money is just, it's, it's so hard to come by and it's, it's hard to, it's so expensive to live. But then they said this would be their last card. And I thought, okay, well, if they play it, they really won't have much to play after that. So I think that might be true. Now, that's just my belief but it's based on uh, a lot of other people who have done studies and people like Field and these, these ex-Marine guys who are all over the Internet now talking about what they know. So, yep, yeah, true. I, I yep. hope that doesn't happen, Nick, because it would be just crazy anyway. Yeah, I know. I totally, I totally get that. Well, I'm going to move right now onto the, the panel, which is about uh, human poisoning and destruction and the chemtrails in the sky, and you can see them almost every day over New York City, as well as most of the major major cities of not only America and Canada, but worldwide. And these appear to be vapor trails, uh, harmless water vapor trails from jets 
But upon a closer look and a lot of research, that's not exactly what you're seeing. What you're seeing are chemtrails, chemical trails. And those trails can be white, and they also now have been seen in black also. And these are trails that are being made by planes spraying this, these highly poisonous uh, uh, combinations of gases and chemicals, including aluminum nanoparticles, and we have a list of them uh, on a lab report. And why would they do that? Because populations will be poisoned by this. Crops, water, wildlife will be poisoned by this. And there, this is being allowed. And I've, I've written to the mayor, I've written to the health department and saying, would someone please take a close look at this? Because this is a huge health problem. Guess how many responses I got from the government? Zero. Zero. Can you imagine? Mm. Zero. Not one, uh, not the mayor's office, not the health department. No one is going to touch this. Why not? Another one is the fluoride. We already discussed that in the toothpaste uh, and in the water supplies and it's insanity to put that in the water supplies because it doesn't help your teeth. It only weakens people's health. Uh, moving on to uh, GMO engineered food, uh, that is that is a disgrace that's being allowed. And the people and the organizations that are supposed to be protecting us, where are they? It just seems like they're losing the battle. But more people are being educated that you've got to watch what's in your food and read what's in it because a lot of times you don't want any part of that. Also, cancer, cancer cures. It seems to me as though, and for a lot of other people, Big Pharma has been uh, silent, has been avoiding the cancer cures. Why would they avoid something like that? Because it would be hurting their huge multi-trillion dollar business if people could be cured of cancer in, in, in much less complicated ways. And a number of people have said those cancer cures have been around for years and they have been stopped. Also on the list, let's not forget our natural resources and the fact that they're being dwindled uh, every single day. It shouldn't have happened because there's new power sources. Also, Monsanto Bear and the Roundup that they're pushing that's in everything from our Quaker oats to, to many of our foods, and uh, th that's not a healthy thing at all. That can hurt you, and for kids, it's even worse, and uh, they have such powerful lawyers that they've been still allowed to put that crap in the foods. Um, and last but not least, um, a biodegradable plastic should be used if plastics are used at all, and we should stop polluting the oceans and the land because this is becoming a huge health crisis also. Okay, I want to go to One World Government. Well, wait a minute, on, on Nick, Nick, Nick. I want to say no. something positive, though, that, and, and that is that Lawsuits have recently been won. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, won a lawsuit against uh, the CDC for yes. uh, stuff they were putting in vaccines. Um, recently, there's another big lawsuit happening. Uh, a lawsuit against Roundup was uh, won in, I believe it was uh, in India. It was, it was a big lawsuit. And um, there, people are now are aware and awake. Maybe not my friends, you know, but and I want to say this, people can help themselves by um, drinking distilled water. That might be a good choice, even though there's a lot of controversy around it. Distilled water doesn't have really anything in it. Uh, you can get minerals. You can add minerals yourself. Um, and also by just trying to eat food 
that is as simple as possible. Um, not, mm-hmm. not to kind of, we, we need to be conscious. I think that that's a big issue. It's like people don't want to be bothered. Like this is how I eat and the doctor will take care of me when I'm sick. And this is a big deal. We need to stop thinking this way, but it's really nope. hard. It's like you're responsible for your health. And that's a big, that's a very tender, uh, you know, thing to touch in people because they really, they, their health is their life. And they believe that these guys are helping them and why would they hurt me? And you're crazy for even thinking that. So I feel like the health thing is, a, is kind of like a bomb within it. And that's another beautiful twist that they gave us like they gave everybody that don't worry you know just come to us we'll give you a pill and you'll feel much better and that's really the overall sense so on the positive note there are people that are um, becoming more responsible for their health and like we compost we recycle like we're really diligent about stuff like that that's a simple stupid thing but if you're not doing it and you're a light worker I would say get with it you know, get with the program because that's part of saving the planet is like being conscious of how you're using the planet. But, okay, next, next, next. Go ahead. Mind control. Okay, so, no, no, uh, well said, uh, C, well said. Uh, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you mentioned all that. We're going to go to panel D, and that's called One World Government, how they control each other, how they control us. And there's a, there's a lot here, and I'm just going to touch on this because we're already running out of time, which is not a surprise, but I knew it was going to happen, of course, because these are major issues. Um, a globalist one-world government aggressive plans, that's been in the works for many, many years, and it's going on as we speak, and we've got to be more aware of what these plans, these evil plans are. Another one is bring to justice the elite, the uh, evil elite, who finance world wars, for profit and, and, and for power. Uh, another one that's huge, and, and thank God this is becoming, uh, this is becoming uh, knowledge in the public now, is the pedophile industry, the trillion-dollar pedophile industry worldwide. And when you see who's behind it, you, you, you gasp because I, we don't have time to go into it now, but we will at our meetings. And it's just, it's just mind-boggling who is behind this and what they're doing. Another one is false flags event staged for chaos and to strip uh, the Second Amendment rights of Americans. And, and that stage, we even have, we even have, as you know, crises actors. And some of these people have been seen two and three and four major disasters <laughs> yeah. uh, with, with guns and all that. And it's the same people. What are the odds that these people would, sh- would be at these crises situations? Obviously, they've been hired. And they're the ones talking to the camera, uh, giving, giving what they're being told to, to say. And the, the public is thinking that this is real, and it's not. Um, uh, okay, the other one, of course, would be elite bankers turning countries against countries uh, to start wars for huge profits. Another one is the New World Order elite from turning race against race to divide and conquer people everywhere. Another category would be to stop the constitutional rights being taken Away from you as citizens in the name of national security, and it's it's stunning what they've done uh, since. Uh, well, you, well, I guess with the, um, the the World Trade Center disaster and what was really behind it, and it still hasn't been made clear at all of who was behind it. And these people are still walking around free that murdered over two thousand people. I mean that that's a disgrace. Uh, right. And also on the panel, let's talk about. Uh, 
the um, human cloning that has been going on underground for many, many years uh, with top scientists secretly working on this, and God only knows how far they've gone. And this is being very much hushed up, and the public knows nothing about this. I want to take the, the last one, which is the population control. Okay. That would be panel E. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Well, I mean, again, um, this is a lot for a normal person to to consume. So what I'm always, I mean, I know what you're doing. You're you're trying to organize this in, in a way that begin to either like get behind a, a certain area that they feel they can actually uh, study and then talk about. Um, and really, there are people already who are talking about all these things with great uh, finesse and a lot of understanding, and uh, they're out there. You know, Liz Crokin has done an amazing job with pedophilia, and they've really hurt her, um, but she's not the only one. Like, Able Danger actually has begun to just focus on children worldwide in this whole, you know, uh, trafficking thing and the whole pedophilia thing. So it, the, the deepest, darkest secret is that one, and that one will be the last – that. Basically, that one and what and the fact that we've really had this very very powerful banking elite who basically run the show for a long time. Those two areas are going to be the hardest ones, I think, for people to really grasp. Um, yep. But the final one, the 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 population control. I mean, all of it fits in. I I wrote physical here with your comments, and these were these are the things that fit into the planetary. Uh, poisoning, but they're really like you know they're they're more specific. Stop powerful electronic energy waves being aimed at us to cloud our thinking. Well, to most people that sounds crazy, but if we started measuring, and there are measurement instruments, um, you would see that you're just surrounded by this crap basically, and that um you're it's affecting you. So you know, and then uh, the the martial law. I, I really think at this point the martial law plan, the original one to control everything, is a little bit in disarray right now. I think all of it's in disarray. I'm not saying that it can't happen and that we don't need to talk about it as a group, but I don't think that – I think the biggest issues are the ones that you – like I think UFO is up there, but I think the planetary poisoning the mind, and the mind control and how, how elites sort of stay in control, that needs to be understood. Because um, we really, we really think these people are like us. They're just like us, and they're not. And I think that's the important thing to remember. And you know, when we close, I want to say that um, the main thing is how people perceive all of this. So there are people mm-hmm. that perceive that there are UFOs that are going to come to save us, and we're all going to ascend, and everything's going to be groovy. There are people who really believe that. And I, I don't think that is what's going to happen exactly, but I think that they're, they're kind of on the right track. But those people at the same time eat junk food, they eat, you know, bad food, they, they go to doctors and get drugs. So they have that thing going, but they need to be really woken up and see that. And then there's people who believe all of the, they understand all the negative stuff, and they, they really feel powerless. They feel like, well, you know, it's just bullshit anyway, I'm going to die, what difference does it make? And that's the spiritual arm of it that we certainly can't talk about tonight, but the spiritual aspect of it is that we've really been denied our real, true, an understanding of our real, real true selves. And that, and I mean we've been denied. I, I don't think that it's a human 
frailty. I think that what happens is you are immediately indoctrinated into believing that something else or someone else is in charge. You are not in charge of your life. And that is a big, big issue. And that kind of is a foundation to all this because if people look at this, they feel overwhelmed. And I would say to anybody listening who is just awakening, you know, follow your heart. Like, let your heart lead you. You know, you're, there's going to be a lot of conflicting information. This is a big war. This is big. Like, I, I, I would think I, if you told me this, like I said, like 20 years ago, I would say, oh, that could never happen. Well, guess what? Right, exactly. It could never happen to us because people are watching over us and protecting us. That's what we thought. Right. And well, we were and, wrong. And then that goes to my point, which is we're not children. Grow up. Just grow up. Like, stop believing yep. that, you know, someone else will fix it. Stop thinking that it's someone else's problem. You know, the garbage that you throw out is literally, you know, going to probably get sent to Taiwan or something. And it's, or it's going to be dumped in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean because they don't know what to do with it anymore. So it's like, right. yeah, they're not being responsible, but we need to also be more responsible just as people. So, you know, and you know what's not here? What's not here, I just realized it, is all the work of Anna von Reitz and the fact that Americans are sold, our, our, our birth certificates are sold on, on the uh, stock market, that we're actually used as collateral. Now, I'm not making that up. That's the study of, I don't know, at least 50 people who have written about it, and Anna von Reitz is one of them. So people need to look her up if they don't understand that, but our citizenship is a kind of servitude. So I don't know very much about that. I only know I've listened to Anna and I've read her stuff, and she just goes into the legal aspects of this. But to me, the most practical things are the ones we can change, and certainly we need to look into our own hearts. We have great power and great depth inside of us, and we just don't know it. Uh, One of our members uh, has been very uh, much in deep research about exactly what you're talking about and she's she's uh, for my money she's now an authority and she's going to be I, I want her to be one of the people that will address that issue and uh, uh, be one of the people that will write a paper and perhaps do a video on the subject so the mainstream people can understand what you just said it's huge and we when I found out about that I, I literally like you're saying I couldn't believe my eyes when I was reading this. And you got to be kidding! And when you see the flag of the um, of uh, Washington D.C., which is not part of the United States, they have their own flag. And there's three red stars on it. And when you find out what those three red stars represent, you, you will be absolutely floored. And 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 the and what you're talking about is who owns what and where the money goes is absolutely mind-boggling and, and, and disgusting, and we have been told nothing about this. Why? Because we would be very upset, and, and when, you, right. when you get to know this, you get really upset, and that's what we have to do. We have to alert the public. This is real. This is not made up. This is not crazy. It's, it's crazy that we have been led astray for so long, and we're waking up. Thank God. I think you'll agree that the public is beginning to really wake up. Yeah, no, it is. And, and I guess what I would like to lastly, um, we're, we're in our hearts where we have this strength. And the things that we don't believe are, may, not, may or may not be, if they're not true, that would be just great. But the three powers in the world are the, are the city of London, which is within London, 
the Vatican, and the Washington, D.C. And these little independent places were set up to do just this. And, you know, and that's just a fact. So people don't have to believe that that means anything, but that's just a fact, and that's ultimately where the power lies. And, but we're changing it, Nick. And, and I think just by dialoguing, talking to friends, um, you know, the fact that your group is still strong and still alive after all these years and has grown from one area of disclosure to many is really a sign that we're changing. It's good, it's good stuff. You're absolutely right. I couldn't be prouder of our organization and the people in it. We've never been stronger. We've never been more members in our group. And the researching is, is cutting edge. And I just want to salute every single man and woman who's been doing that research for our, our group. Uh, they are an amazing group of people, and it's just an honor to know them. And uh, like I said, we're going to have a meeting just to repeat that one more time this coming Sunday. At 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, it will be at the center of 208 West 13th Street, room 201A on the second floor. And you do need to make an RSVP reservation in order to attend, and there will be someone at the door with the names of the people who RSVP. And the way you do that is to go to the website, which is dnny.info, and you'll see uh, instructions about the meeting and how to do an RSVP Follow those four simple steps to doing it, and you'll get a confirmation on an email so you know that we have your name at the door. And I, uh, anybody who's interested in this subject or wants to help, we certainly would welcome that. And uh, we've always been welcoming to new people in the group. And, uh, again, it's, uh, it's, it's a cutting-edge group, and we're, I think this year is going to be a very important year for the work that we do. Um, see, is there a way that they can, if anyone wanted to contact you, um, do, do you want them to do that through my email and then I would pass it on to Well, you? yeah, I, I think that we weren't really able to, to – this was a great – if anybody's interested in working with me or, um, you know, uh, any of that, my subject matter will basically be um, media and perception and what I've uncovered about that. And so people should contact you. I don't want to inconvenience you, but I, I doubt that anybody will really want to do anything. But if people do – contact you and then I'll deal with it from there. Okay, that that's that's certainly fine with me. I'm going to give them my personal email and and you can uh, write to me or you can write to Professor C and that's spelled capital C E E. That's what she spells her name. And uh, my email address is n i c k n y n y the number 1 at gmail.com. And the number one is the figure one, not O-N-E, but the figure one. So that's nicknyny1 at gmail.com. And we but Nick, couldn't they comments. also reach you if they just went to the website? There's probably a contact. Um, there's a contact oh, there is. There's here. a way that they yeah, can Yeah, if they go to the, the – that's perfect. They can, okay. They can go to the website, and they can leave messages, and we will get that by email also. And that's another way they can do it. So either one of those. And we welcome any – comments or suggestions uh, any of our listeners have out there, we would really appreciate it. Um, these, these are issues that we all have to know about. <clears throat> and the more you know, then when you see something uh, right in front of your face and you realize it's a lie, uh, you can easily see it. It will be clearer than ever before. And you need to then voice that and share that with your friends and family and, and let them know what's going on, what the truth is. Um, because the truth is under fire. 
And it's a war of, it's really a war of perception in minds. And this has been going on. That's why term fake news has been really being played a lot lately because there's so much that is fake news. And some of the major papers are some of the worst as far as fake news goes, putting things in there that are deceptive and that blind you to the facts. And so well, that, Nick, that Nick is, remember, remember something. Whoever gets to tell the story about what happens and what's happening is the person that has the power. So what's happened is that the story's gotten muddled because people like you and me and so many others, these great warriors on the Internet, they have themselves uh, dug, dug themselves, dug in to get the information. So I feel like their narrative now, their story is very different than the one we're hearing on the news. And then people say to me, well, that's not true. That's fake news. And I think, well, the truth is that right now as we speak, you know, certain uh, court issues are being heard. And that's not that they're not talking about. That's real fact. It's really happening. And that could, you could look yep. that up by going to court docket. And on that note, we have to conclude our journey for today. Uh, thank you, Professor C., and thank you, uh, Nick Curdo. Uh, that was a very informative uh, show. And uh, as always, I'm looking uh, forward to the next show. Um, I want to wish you, you both a happy new year. Um, is there any contact information that hasn't been shared that you'd like to share? Uh, well, uh, I gave them my personal email, and they can get us yes. that way, or also on the website, there's a way to leave messages that way, too, that we will get. So either one of those would be fine. Again, the website is dnny.info. That's all you need to go right to the website. And we'll talk about our meeting on Sunday at 2 o'clock, because the title of the, of the meeting is Truth Matters, and, and that says quite a lot. Yes, it does. Thanks again. I plan on attending, so I will see you on uh, um, this weekend. Uh, be well and Excellent. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take good care. Uh, we'll Lots of Thank you. We're going to list the Bumpoats Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with the Unarian Revelations. Die. Die.
Revelations. Uh, um, I'm very happy to be talking to my fellow Unarians, Tracy Lynn Kennedy and Paul Greenwood tonight, and we're going to be continuing our exploration of dreams, which connect the past, the present, and the future. Greetings and welcome back, Tracy and Paula. Hi, Hercules. Happy New Year. To you as well. And greetings to both of you. Good to talk with you again. Hi, Paula. Great to talk to you as well. Um, so what has happened in the past month? Uh, there, there was a celebration, and uh, uh, Celeste sent me some uh, audio and video, and uh, um, I wish I could be more directly part of it. And uh, I've been getting invitations to come out and speak in California, so that might be happening hopefully this year. Oh, that'd be that wonderful. would be wonderful to have you come. Yeah. Yes, El Cajon so is we- definitely on my list. <laughs> Probably the most exciting thing that's happened just recently was on Sunday night, we had a flame ceremony, which is a trip and attunement to the inner flames on the celestial world. And uh, it's, we've had it in different incarnations over many, many years. And this year was absolutely beautiful. And it's a very healing, cleansing, transcending experience. And everyone gets to walk through three flames, a, a blue flame, a gold flame, and a rose-colored flame. Where that are set up on the stage and with lighting, and it looks like it looks absolutely beautiful. And as you walk through, the brothers project just this tremendous healing radium of love to each soul as they walk through. And um, sometimes wow. you hear a message, sometimes you 
see something. Sometimes you feel something. It's just always beautiful. So that was the most exciting thing that's happened with Unarius in the last couple of days, and we're still feeling the afterglow from it because it was such a beautiful experience. Wow. Oh, were you there as yes. well? I was not there in the physical, but I did watch it streaming over the Internet. Awesome. And uh, it's it's a beautiful experience to have. It's healing uh, and uh, transcending. And I um, saw beautiful lights, and, and it's a cleansing. To me, it's always a reminder of my initial healing flame ceremony when I first came to Unarius, and it's a great opportunity to um, to take a voyage to these higher spiritual planes in these uh, temples of light and healing and uh, be cleansed of, um, of any negative uh, energies or entities or past lives that we're going through and we're struggling through. It's a great way to lift your consciousness and your frequency to these higher worlds and experience healing. Oh, indeed. Um, and uh, um, since our, our topic tonight is uh, dreams, my dreams lately have been a little different. Um, they have been synthesizing uh, dreams where a lot of things that seem to have nothing to do with, with each other are revealed to be connected. And uh, it's helping me look at things that are uh, transpiring in a very new uh, way. And, uh, um, those uh, flames are very sacred to the Olympian tradition as well. They're the colors of the sky. And uh, so you have the uh, sunrise and the sunset, which are the, the roses, the red, the pink. Uh, you have the blue uh, sky above, and then you have the yellow of uh, the sun. And there's a fourth uh, hidden color, white, which lightens them up a little bit. And that is the, those are the clouds. So there's a lot of esoteric information uh, contained in those uh, colors. Uh, and the flames are also used uh, to uh, purify the heal as well. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Any interesting dreams since last time we spoke? Well, I had a dream last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting. Um, it was, I was somehow, and I, I don't remember it that clearly right now, but I woke up and went, wow. Uh, but in this dream, I was being not necessarily chased, but surrounded by these old um, animals that used to live on our planet, dinosaurs and um, like woolly mammoths and, you know, big, huge animals and they were everywhere and I woke up and thought and it, it wasn't a nightmare but it wasn't a pleasant dream it was something where I mm-hmm. woke up and went oh those are all my past lives that are still affecting me and they're just there and they're old relics and they've already on planet earth have gone by the wayside but they're still part of my consciousness and still part of my psychic anatomy and it was just such a symbolic representation of what I'm still holding on to in my past that I haven't yet recognized so um thought that was interesting, and I think I'll share that tonight because that's one of the ways the dreams help us to recognize what we're going through or not acknowledging within our consciousness. And that's very primal and, uh, and prehistoric and powerful. That is, that is awesome. That is. 
<clears throat> and um, it's great where it's a continuity that represents, the dreams represent a continuity of our past. But um, <clears throat> And I'd like to expound on that. But before I do, I'd like to talk about one dream that I happened a few days, that I had a few days after we last spoke. And, um, and during that last podcast, we talked about how we can have visitations from our departed loved ones who yes. are on these higher worlds and can speak to us. But I woke up, uh, right before I woke up, I was, I had a dream, but I really think it was a visitation from one of my cats, my last cat that has changed worlds. And and what I remember of it is that he ran up to me and looked me right in the face, and then I woke up. Aww. And I realized this was a visitation from him. But since... Um, I knew we were going to have this discussion tonight. I've been uh, reading and trying to keep in tune all day uh, so that my consciousness would be higher. And and what I recognized from the the readings that I've uh, been looking at and, and really forgot about as a student of working out past lives is that this continuity of consciousness continues in our dream state and that it because we're infinite energy beings who've lived many lifetimes on this world and other worlds, uh, in our dream state, we are uh, traveling in this astral realm, whether it's a higher astral or a lower astral. And oftentimes these dreams, um, people that are in our dreams are people from our past lives. And, mm-hmm. um, and I haven't utilized that tool of looking at my dreams to work out a negative past life. And and what really struck me and reminded me of that was a story that uh, in the Bridge to Heaven book I've been reading all day. I stayed home from work today. And um, there's a a story, an example that Juriel gives in there, which was really profound. But she, um, it was a few weeks after she met Ernest Norman, the co-founder of Unarius, and uh, she was uh, in her home sleeping, and he was in a little trailer outside of her house sleeping. And she had this, um, she felt this, um, this really negative influence that was really taking, obsessing her, taking hold of her. And she couldn't wake up. She couldn't scream. And she eventually, in her astral body, was at the window trying to get Ernest attention because this very negative entity had hold of her and she um, couldn't open the window, couldn't open the door and eventually she was able to release herself from the grasp of this entity and scream and of course he came running in and as soon as his high energy came into her aura, the thing let go of her and then he went back to bed and as soon as he went back to bed she started to feel it again and she didn't want to wake him. She realized this was something she needed to deal with on her own. And um, and so as it uh, tried to take control of her again, she decided that she had to fight it with all her might, and she wouldn't go back to sleep. She stayed awake and started typing some of the unarious materials and try- was trying to keep her consciousness uh, in a higher consciousness. And um, the next day it, she was still battling this, and it went on for three days. And Ernest told her that that next day that 
this was something that she needed to work on to overcome to as part of her own spiritual development. And over the three days, she really battled it and fought with it. And at the end, um, she was successful, and she came to realize that um, this was an old priest that she'd knew, known from many lifetimes before. And um, she had made a vow and some kind of promise to him, and he was coming back to her to, to wow. keep her with that promise. But in the end, she won, and... Um, but she was up for three days battling this, and, and it just reminded me of my own nightmares that I've had and hadn't looked at it in the way, the perspective of that this, these are people from my past life. You know, usually when you have nightmares, you want to forget about it. You don't, you don't want to put any consciousness into it. So this just gives me a whole another tool to work on, on working out my past and overcoming um, these lower pasts that I've been involved in. So do you think it's a, um, uh, a, a memory of a past life, or do you think it's a visitation uh, from a past uh, life? That Because uh, uh, both of those would be powerful. Yes. Well, in her case, I think it was a visitation from this entity. And in our dreams, I believe we are interacting with people in the astral realm. And yes. sometimes it's lower, you know, negative people that we encounter. And most likely they're people that haven't moved on to a higher spiritual world because they're earthbound with their physical desires, with drugs, alcohol, sex, food, and they don't have a spiritual understanding and they haven't moved on. And so some of those people we know from our negative past lives, or it could, it might be someone that we don't even know, but you know, that there are positive it dream encounters as well in these higher worlds. She tells another story about a beautiful visitation a few years before she met uh, Ernest Norman uh, of a beautiful encounter with a light being. So, and and Tracy last time talked about her beautiful encounter with yeah. Uriel in, in the dream state. So I think that there can be visitations, and there can be, the dream can be from an actual past life. Um, I had a dream um, when I was younger, a reoccurring dream of um, looked like Germany and Mm -hmm. there were uh, these, these bomb old bombing planes. And over the years throughout my life, I had this recurring scene in my dreams from Germany during the Holocaust. And because of those, those multiple dreams that I had, and be, once I became a Unaria student and started using those past life therapy self-awareness tools, I was able to piece together my lifetime in Germany where I was half Jew, half German. Those currents are very ancient, and uh, it's very disturbing that they're still playing themselves out uh, in our world to the, the extent that they are, uh, especially in the last century and uh, this uh century and recently in fact over the past uh, few years um, I'm giving a a talk uh, sometime soon in New York City uh, at the Disclosure Network on uh, Hyperborea uh, which is uh, the ancient land that uh, uh, my ancestors spoke about and a lot of these things that are playing out now arose uh, back then and uh, these are prehistoric things that, that again they're still playing themselves out so that's how powerful 
these tapestries, I guess, of energy are. Uh, and uh, it takes us a very long time uh, to free ourselves from their influence. Well, that's right. the beauty of, yeah, and that's the beauty of understanding yourself as an interdimensional being and how energy cannot um, be destroyed. It can only be changed because we're going to continue to repeat those patterns, and that's what people do over and over again. And with an understanding of ourselves as energy beings and that there is this continuity we can see and begin to unlock what we're reliving and regenerating in this lifetime, as Paula talked about, and dreams are such a wonderful tool to be able to do that if we pay attention to it, because she was getting those messages from her higher self and from the brothers, and she paid attention to it, and eventually was able to piece together what the past life reliving was. So now she won't have to regenerate that because she has you know, had a healing and a change, and there's a lot more involved than what I'm briefly saying However, the importance is, is that, you know, these patterns that we see throughout civilizations and, um, you know, over and over again, they keep recurring, don't have to continue with an understanding of, oh, that's why civilizations continually rise and fall, because we, you know, we are, these spiritual beings come, they incarnate, they show us a better way, we take the teachings, we take them to heart, we listen for a while, and then we think we know better, and our ego, you know, crawls creeps in and end up destroying because we think we're the teachers and we're not. We're, we're plebeians, if that. So um, your talk should be very interesting because you're going to be coming to it from a different perspective than most people because you, you're, you're opening you know, up your higher self. You have been the whole lifetime to a different understanding of, of how life functions and how you know, we interact with this dance called life. And Unarius has helped me uh, a great deal um, throughout my life, but especially the past uh, two decades. Uh, uh, so much uh, of great value to the development of our consciousness is contained in the writings. Uh, and if rather than reading it to, to gain knowledge or to be entertained, uh, you read it and actually uh, attempt the techniques that are shared and try looking at things in a new way, um, you're transformed. And again, it doesn't make your life simpler. <laughs> in fact, in some ways, it makes it a little bit more complicated because you have a lot more to consider and a lot more you know, to focus on. Uh, but it, 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 it surely does open you up to the higher realms and you know that they're there and you know that you're never truly uh, uh, alone, you know, that uh, there are beings who are watching over us, that they're, they're guiding us and they have been since uh, the dawn of time and earlier than that. Yeah, absolutely. And while it's not simpler, it's, it's very, <clears throat> it's very difficult to be a student of life, a student of truth, because our egos are so big that, we don't want to accept that we were not nice people in our past. And yes, we've had lifetimes where we were, we didn't do, we didn't murder people. We didn't do this. We, you know, maybe certainly haven't done it in this lifetime. However, you know, the stark reality is, is this is a messed up planet and we're messed up people because of what we've done in our past lives. And the sooner we can, you know, swallow that bitter pill of the ego that we've had, that's gotten us into trouble and feel that remorse, the more humble we become. And then in, an, in another sense, life does become simpler because it's not, you're not constantly fighting this battle of the ego. You just say, you know, I don't know anything. I want to learn. I want to accept who I was in the past. 
the love that you feel with that awareness, with that acceptance from these brothers, from uh, I'm just from fellow students, is unbelievable, and it makes life so much more beautiful and so much more pleasant to, to live with the awareness and know that no matter what situation I'm going to face or encounter, I, I have the ability with these tools and with the help from the brothers to learn about myself, to make a positive change, and to not have that affect me the way that it, it is or affect others because of what I've done you know, in the past and the present. So it's, uh, it's an interesting proposition. And you know, getting back to your topic of dreams, there's such a valuable, valuable tool. And the more that, and you know, both of you have done this, and so have I throughout this lifetime because I've been fascinated with dreams. But the more that you, you can pay attention to them, or the more that I've paid attention to them, the more that I learn. And as we talked about last time, writing them down in your journal, just you know, being aware of, wow, there's so many valuable tools and lessons here. And, and some of them you just let go. There's, there's nothing really there. It's kind of conscious mind stuff that you were floating around with in the day and it manifested in some weird dream that doesn't really have any significance. But the ones that do or the ones that you wake up and go, huh, why, why did I think about that? What, what does that mean? And at least acknowledging that will open your consciousness to get more answers and insights, you know, either writing in your journal or as you think about it during the day. So, um, yeah, I find it a fascinating topic and just love that we have this ability to have um, as part of our overall consciousness and who and what we are, that dreams are just so important to us. Oh, yes, indeed. And uh, um, looking back on some of my recent dreams also, I, I'm becoming more and more aware that our understanding of time is uh, illusory because uh, I've been having uh, a lot of deja vus. And, uh, oh, good. They're not like complex uh, situations. It's simple things. But uh, as they're happening, I remember dreaming of like these years ago. So I interpret that as signposts that I'm on the right track. <laughs> so that's yeah, how I've been interpreting that's great. that. But uh, it, is, it, it is such a wonderful and uh, um, inspiring uh, thing to, to experience uh, that, you know, I've been here before and I've done this before, you know, it, 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 these passing moments have been experiencing. And then um, I will remember having the dream and sometimes commenting to my wife. Uh, about oh I dreamt about this and at the time it seemed ridiculous that you know th- th- that was what we'd be one day experiencing but now here we are <laughs> in the circumstances that were described in the dream so um, it it kind of releases a lot of uh, tension that you might have about the future because you know that you know the future is uh, in terms of this being a schoolroom the curriculum is set you know, to a certain degree. So, um, you know, that you're learning what you're supposed to be learning. You are where you're supposed to be. And then you can just let go uh, and and move forward and keep your eyes and your mind open to see what you can learn from uh, these reminders that you're supposed to be here. Yep. That's right. (laughs) And, you know, um, I love it when I have these beautiful positive dreams or sometimes dreams that don't even make sense. But the premonitional ones... I don't have them very often, and I've had some dreams that I don't know if they're premonitional. Well, I suspect they are, um, but I've had these dreams about Unarius over the years periodically. Like I had this one dream 
about Denarius. It was in another city, not in San Diego. And um, the the organization was so big that they had a building, Unarius had a building just for the shipping and receiving. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, and then I've had, uh, from time to time, I'll have dreams about being in a Unarius class, and none of the people in the class are people I know from this lifetime. So I, I wonder if these are students in the future that I will know in a future lifetime, or if they're, students uh, who are taking classes on the inner, on these higher astral worlds or those, these intermediate astral worlds where the the teaching takes places in classes. So those dreams are really interesting and um, beautiful. Yes, and uh, I feel too, uh, although it hasn't like blossomed uh, here locally as much as I would like, uh, the slow process of trying to you know, generate some unarian activity. Um, recently, uh, I had an inspiration, instead of giving the books away, uh, to put them on sale in one of the places where I uh, speak. And uh, it uh, turned out that uh, um, people were interested in the Unarius books, and the proprietress of the uh, Metaphysical Center uh, emailed me and said, uh, what do you call it, uh, do you have any more? Um, so That's I do. Great. The, great. the universe always provides me with Unarius books for some reason. Uh, you know, whenever I'm running low, some of them, you know, uh, show up somewhere, you know, library for like 25 cents a book or something, or or someone gives them to me. So I'm always able to circulate them. Um, and I have one copy of everything for myself in my library, but the rest of them that come my way, I circulate them. So. Um, uh, I let the proprietors know that I'll bring what I have and to let the person know that uh, we're starting a Unarius study group uh, later this year. So hopefully <laughs> that'll uh, take root and we'll be able to, to start something steady uh, in Branchville um, in northwestern New Jersey. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it I'm is. I'm actually going to echo when I talk. That happens I just sometimes. heard an echo. Yes. Uh, oh, and that I just heard it with sometimes. me, too. It, it happens sometimes uh, um, with the uh, uh, cell phones, the people are using cell phones, and uh, that yeah. I can't fix. If I hear it on the board, uh, I can play with the uh, sound. Um, right. But I'm not getting any echoes on this side. Uh, so I, I don't know. What I can do is I can um, test. Like so, when I'm not speaking, I can mute it and see what happens. And uh, when you're taking turns speaking, I can mute the other person and let's see if I could, you know, if I could isolate it. Okay. Okay. But that's all I can do uh, at this point. I apologize. That's understandable. No Technology <laughs> yep. happens. Yes. <laughs> And uh, th these type of things happen even like on uh, professional newscasts. I've been noticing lately when, you know, on YouTube and, and in other places. So um, uh, it's, it's unfortunately seems to be a part of our information age that these glitches for now. Yes. But what you so, just described with, um, with selling the books and, it's a beautiful example of how you're following your inner inspiration, your higher self's inner inspiration, and your connection with the Unarius brothers, uh, these interdimensional beings on these higher realms that are working with you. 
So keep up the good work. Thank you. And uh, it's always good to hook up with other Unarians. Uh, through my uh, Living Theurgy uh, class, uh, one of the uh, one of the individuals who's been coming to the class from the beginning, and they've been running for over two years now. Um, uh, when I brought in some books to give away, I brought in some Unarian books, and she didn't have them. And then I found out that she'd been studying Unarius uh, for years and years and years. So uh, uh, whenever I get new books, uh, she always uh, gets uh, them. Um, when I'm out that way. No, that's great. And as you start the study group or, or continue what you have going on, even if only one person shows up, it's where two or more are gathered. Yes. There's mm-hmm. going to be that much more sharing of the love and light. And we've had students um, around the country start study groups over the years. And sometimes they, um, they might last for a couple of years. Sometimes they might go on for, we had one student in Florida who had a study group that I think she probably had at Joyce Inc. for 20 years. Wow. So, uh, and, the, you know, the amount of people that joined fluctuated all the time. But it's um, just know that as, you know, as you do that, the brothers are working with you and those students who are preconditioned will be attracted to be participate. And That's like, right. Uh, and those... I see and the growth of Unarius, so uh, I can see a building where uh, just for shipping and receiving. Yes, <laughs> and, the, and the students that don't take it up in that moment, they've been touched and um, the seeds are planted, and in their next incarnation, most likely, then they'll be ready. So yes. uh, it's, it's just infinite in motion. I believe that uh, very powerfully as well. And the other thing that happens, too, is the people that read the books, like yourself, who read them for many, many years, may not be, may want to study the book and read it, but may not be ready to meet with other people and, and talk about it. So what you're doing with, you know, sharing and, and providing the books if they're interested or selling the books or, you know, making sure that they're available is, is great because that's for a lot of people that is their preconditioning is just reading a text or reading more text. And uh, I'm finding, too, that uh, um, as with other literature that's affected me, sometimes I'm not ready for a particular piece of information. So I'll have the book and it'll sit there for a long time, sometimes years, uh, before I feel a pull to you know, take it off the shelf and start reading. Uh, and then it always speaks to where I happen to be at the particular time. And the information is useful. Uh, whereas if I had tried to um, uh, navigate uh, the informational stream earlier, it might have just gotten me bogged down into uh, thinking that might not have been productive at the time. Well, that's definitely an example of following your inner prompting. And, and one maybe of the you weren't ready. Yes, I think maybe I wasn't ready at the, the time. In the, sometimes when we're presented with something, we're not ready for it. Um, Unarius, I had several opportunities before I ever came to Unarius where someone brought me information about Unarius, and I didn't follow up and didn't go there. But I, I now know that I wasn't ready at the time. I wouldn't have been receptive. And... Um, it wasn't until several years later circumstances happened that I was ready and uh, the, my spiritual guides, guides guided me to the 
doors of Unarius for the healing and teachings that I needed for the next phase of my progressive evolution. Very true. And uh, one of the greatest discoveries that uh, Unarius uh, brought to my awareness was the Grecian current uh, that uh, expresses itself uh, through different civilizations, not only on our planet, uh, but uh, throughout uh, the multiverse. And uh, that connected everything. Uh, And I'd come across the information in my readings, but not until we started working together on the podcasts uh, did it come into clear focus. And then all of a sudden, uh, my compulsion to go along a certain path and bring myself back to it every time I strayed for it made perfect sense. So um, it gave me like a a golden chain that linked me to the past and uh, made my way very clear. So I'll always be grateful to Unarius and uh, the students of Unarius for that. Uh-huh, that's wonderful. Now, we'd spoken last time about how um, in Unarius, uh, trying to program your dreams or influence your dreams uh, um, isn't something that's uh, encouraged, you know, but rather to use the dreams to learn uh, and to become attuned to uh, higher levels of uh, consciousness. Are there any other types of uh, techniques that Unarius doesn't encourage as being spiritually productive? Well, last time you mentioned that astral travel, uh, yes. which is a popular fad with with some people, you know, in the New Age genre, but it's really... Um, not recommended because in that astral realm, if you don't have a spiritual understanding and a spiritual connection, you're opening yourself up to just any any person, any frequency, um, and you're vulnerable. So astral travel is not recommended. And um, something that that I do, and I, I and I think other students do too, at night when we. Uh, lay down to go to sleep, we listen to Unarius tapes to help lift our frequency so that we're more inclined to go to one of the higher teaching realms uh, than the lower astral during sleep. During sleep. That, that's definitely uh, true. My, my astral experiences, some of them have been very uplifting and some of them uh, not so much. Uh, in the past. And the astral is the plane of uh, desire. It's uh, uh, the plane of imagination. So uh, uh, things are not always what they appear to be. That's right. Because there's different levels of different, there's different, there's higher frequency astral, higher celestial planes and lower astral planes. And then even uh, very, very low, uh, astral planes that Ernest Norman wouldn't, you know, students would ask him about demons and things like that, and and he would explain that he doesn't even like to think about that and won't give those lower entities any consciousness. So you just have to be careful in that realm, in that astral realm. It's because focus, attention takes you there, Uh, and a positive way of using that would be uh, to read the Unarius material and to use your attention to transport you to the places that are being described. But if you focus on lower 
things, your attention will go there and um, uh, sometimes uh, attach itself uh, to lower level entities that do not mean you well. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very well said. Tracy, can you think of any um, practices that uh, people might uh, become interested in in their exploration of dreams that aren't uh, such a great idea? Well, I think what both of you just said is about is the most important thing is we want to um, attune to a higher and Paula explained one of the best ways to do that. And then also, which I think I talked about last time was if we are having a dream that is a nightmare or a recurring dream, um, think about waking yourself up in that dream to confront that astral entity or confront that situation um, and attune to a higher. If, if you do wake up from a nightmare, um, do something positive with your consciousness. Like you were, like the wonderful example Paula gave about Uriel battling that obsession from her past. Right. So um, it's not that there's things that we shouldn't do. It's knowing how to be constructive with what does happen within our consciousness or within our dreams. Um, and, and being aware, where do we want our consciousness to be? Exactly what you said. If you're going to dwell on, and are fearful of the demons or the um, nightmares that you have, understand where they come from and attune to a higher study, change, you know, change your frequency, study something that's of intelligent nature. And that's what's the beauty of the Inarius text is if, and I've done that sometimes where I get up and I, I study because I, I, you know, I have to actually read or, you know, I'll listen to, um, well, it's a CD or it's on my iPhone now, but, that's what will help change my consciousness, especially if I wake up and I, I can't sleep. You know, I've had a nightmare or I just can't get back to sleep. So then, you know, I, I have to change my consciousness and do something positive with it. So we have these tools. And the most important thing is being aware of your consciousness and where it is. And uh, that's something we can do throughout the day, too. I found that uh, um, if, I'm, if I find myself in a particular uh, state of consciousness, um, you know, again, why did I come here? So I try to look into that mirror to see what it shows me. Uh, but if it's not a state of consciousness I'd like to spend time in, um, once I become aware and once I've looked in the mirror uh, that it presents, um, I can think of a better state of consciousness and start focusing on that. And it becomes difficult, uh, especially now with uh, the information age and the flood of uh, uh, images and uh, ideas that hit you all the time. Um, and I'm finding that although I like to know what's going on in, in the world, because that too is a mirror, um, I really can't uh, allow myself to um, experience this flow of information too much because uh, it seems to be designed to elicit outrage. And, and fear. Uh, yes, and fear. And that's not a very good place uh, to spend a lot of time in. So, yes, these things are going on. And, yes, uh, you know, th this world uh, is a reflection of our consciousness, and, and this is where we can uh, change our consciousness. But to continue to become flooded with that, it's like instead of taking a shower in nice, clean water, uh, taking a shower in, in sewage and then expecting to smell like roses, you know, it just is not going to happen. <laughs> That's a good, right. good analogy. <laughs> 
But it's also an opportunity for myself, especially because I do watch a lot of news, and I get very reactionary when I see what's going on with the politics. Mm -hmm. And I have to stop and take a moment to uh, look at myself and why am I reacting to this situation? Why is so much anger? Am I having this such an angry response to this? And I've I've got to, you know, uh, write in my journal, analyze where is this coming right. from, and and I'll give you an example of something that happened oh, a couple, I don't know, a month or so ago when they were um, taking the children away from parents at the border. Yes. I was watching the news and <clears throat> they were uh, talking about taking this infant that was nursing from a mother and and I was standing in my living room and I had this incredible emotional reaction and I screamed and I started crying and sobbing and I mean it was over the top reaction and then when I self-reflected and sat down and thought about well why is this am I so reactionary what I realized this was another tune-in to that past in Germany when children were taken away from parents and um, and that's why I was so emotional with it that's profound and, and liberating too the fact that you were able to see that and uh, learn from it and uh, uh, react to it and that's right and then I could watch or hear scenes similar scenes and I didn't have the same reaction to it because I recognized where it was coming from and I discharged those uh, aberrated energy waveforms within my own psyche and um, these politicians are a really good mirror for me and and my progression through my through looking at why am I reacting so strongly to what's happening in the world and in the news and with these politicians and I've had some good recognitions but I'm still working on it and that's part of the spiritual path of why we're here I There's a, another aspect about what Paula talked about that's important uh-huh. with um, seeing that situation with the um, mother, uh, mother and the child is, and and it's really hard when you see something like that. Whatever it is that causes that strong emotional reaction, is to recognize that whatever you see in that other person, um, yes, it's a good reflection for you and what you've been involved in. But it also that's the karma that that person needs for that point in their life to experience because they created that karma and yes it's not a a pleasant situation it's horrible terrific and there's so many things that happen on our planet that we find out about and just say oh my gosh this is horrible but it is part of the karma that we all have created individually and we're at this point in our you know paul is at a point now where she can look at it and, and have that emotional reaction and then recognize that's because i've done that in my past I've been on both ends where I've had my child taken away from me or I've been the you know war soldier who separated families um, because she is utilizing those tools and it helps her to become objective and that third component is is understanding that that's that person's karma that they're going through and that is a difficult pill for many to swallow. But if, if you look at uh, um, the reality that surrounds us as a, a mirror uh, where you can see reflections of uh, yourself um, in a past uh, life or even in this life uh, in a metaphorical sense, uh, 
um, it, it does become a very transformational uh, tool. Uh, my response was atypical. I, I decided to become a politician. <laughs> and now I'm an elected <laughs> official, and I'm running for, for another office uh, later this year. Um, but I couldn't just allow myself to react anymore. I needed to do something. And uh, um, I didn't know how effective what I could do would be, but I just, I just couldn't uh, allow this to continue uh, happening. So uh, um, it, it led to a, a path that I never would have uh, contemplated uh, taking before. So, uh, um, and that's been a very interesting uh, um, walk so far. And it's taught me many what, things. What oh, politician or what political position? Yeah, are you going for? Well, I'm on the uh, Democratic County Committee currently, uh, and that was something I was elected to without even knowing it. I didn't run for it. I, people wrote me in. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that so, is great. I found out about it when I got a letter like a week after the election congratulating me for, for being uh, uh, elected. And then I received all this mail. And now I'm now the Honorable Hercules Invictus, which was right. <laughs> And I'm running for, for town council. Uh, so there are oh, four candidates for two seats. And uh, I have to send in a biography. And then I, now I have to go and people are going to ask me questions. And uh um, so they'll, you know, they're going to, of course, it'll be two people and there's currently four running for it. Uh, but whatever happens, it'll be a step forward and it'll teach me what I need to know, you know, to go further. Uh, so I'm open to anything that happens. And, uh, um, and, and again, this is a very atypical path for me to have even considered, but uh, that's how I reacted to what's going on. And doors seem to be opening. And my political podcast is actually very, very uh, popular. I have uh, politicians on and activists and um, we all, and it's within the Grecian current too, the, uh, the age of heroes and uh, taking responsibility for your world. And uh, not because you're a better person, but because, you know, we can't allow these things to continue and still call ourselves uh, people. So uh, again, it's an adventure. It started and, uh, um, I, I, I'm learning from it. I'm actually enjoying it much more than I thought I would. But uh, anyway, that's the story behind that. Well, that's wonderful. That's, and, and no doubt yeah, is, you've been a politician in your past life. And who knows, you may have set it up to do something in this lifetime um, and continue some positivity as a Democrat. Yay! <laughs> yeah, and then bring the spiritual bias to it that yes, uh, you yes. you're you're not going to be preaching it, but it'll carry you know right. whatever you do is going to carry that higher energy to all the people that are affected, which is fantastic. And my spiritual path is is shared; it's very open. Everybody knows about it, aside from the podcasts. You know, the, the, um, I'm very I'm an eccentric person, um, but. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, that can help uh, create some dialogues that uh, up until now we might not have been able to have, you know, because um, mostly everybody is spiritually motivated. And although their understanding of their spirituality might differ um, or spirituality's place in the world, they might see it differently. Um, to me, I believe that uh, spirituality is phenomenally important. 
uh, and uh, not that I believe in a theocracy or anything like that, but I really do believe that we need to acknowledge that we're spiritual beings and, you know, we're here and that uh, essentially this is a spiritual experience. Um, so let's look at these things from a spiritual uh, context, um, not a religious uh, context, but a spiritual context. So anyway, that's, that's what I'm hoping happens. And I've started a lot of interfaith uh, uh, communication as well, not only on the podcast, but also you know, out there in the community. So um, I'm the grand marshal of our uh, Chamber of Commerce's interfaith parade. So uh, every year I dress up in my Olympian finery and I march with Santa Claus and uh, I announce the different uh, people who are uh, blessing the town. And um, I, I bless the town with my Olympian blessing. And uh, recently the paper printed my entire Olympian blessing uh, in it. So that was pretty cool. That's, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. Fantastic. <laughs> it's everybody. Well, if more people were spiritual, the world would be in a much better place. I agree. And Unarius is uh, the, the beacon uh, of light uh, that uh, once you've seen it and heard its call, it draws you and it's, it's, it strengthens you and it expands you and it makes you more than you are. And I can't get tired of saying this, but one of the things I really, really love about Unarius, other than the, the people uh, who are Unarians, uh, is that Unarians take responsibility for the world. And the things that you've shared tonight, especially uh, Paula, uh, with uh, past lives and, and so forth, um, that's taking responsibility for, for the world. It's not demonizing other individuals, but saying, if I'm experiencing this, if I'm reacting to this, this must have been something that happened to me or that I've precipitated. And this is an opportunity to um, grow past that point, to learn its lesson, to grow past it. And, and that is awesome. And very, very few spiritual paths can, uh, can claim that. Yeah. It's, it's wonderfully liberating when you recognize that you just, it's up to you to change if you want. And Gandhi said, if you want to you know, be the change you want to see in the world, instead of expecting the politicians or the people that you react to or this person outside of yourself to change something, take, take positive action in your own life. And you're doing that with <laughs> becoming a politician, which is fantastic. Exactly. And, and you guys wonderful. are doing that too. So we're all we're all doing that. And uh, um, I, it's liberating also not to think of yourself as a uh, you know to know that you're you're not perfect and to know that you've made countless mistakes before you found your way uh, that you'll probably make countless more <laughs> during the course of an incarnation. But it's your intent. Your intent to. Uh, be better and to do better that's uh, important, that everybody who's here um, has uh, a history, as, as Tracy said, you know, that uh, you're a problem person and this is a problem world. Um, and, and just to, to recognize that and to stop judging other people, too, because, uh, um, you know, I certainly am nowhere near a perfected uh, being. You know, I, I look back on this incarnation alone uh, and uh, not that I have phenomenally like deep regrets. I knew I did my best with who I was and what I knew at any particular moment, but I've, I've made many decisions that uh, in retrospect, I wish I hadn't made. Uh, so uh, it, it, it's a process and, and seeing that everybody is going through this and, you know, just 
to forgive other people and to give them some slack. You know, that, that's one of the things I find liberating <laughs> about the Marine teachings. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's and, a very and good this, point. This planet is a, a school. You know, we incarnate in this physical body to learn and grow and learn from the mistakes. And and this is a school, and eventually we're going to graduate, and we won't have to reincarnate anymore. Um, once we've developed that higher self and become like these higher teachers that have gone before us and, and who founded Unarius and other spiritual teachings through many civilizations, um, this plane is a school for lessons and learning and growth. Yes, it, it, it certainly is. And if you if you see it that way, uh, your life is imbued with a lot more uh, meaning and uh, and purpose. Wow, this was a heavy, <laughs> deep uh, episode. Uh, I want to thank you both. Uh, um, and uh, we have less than uh, ten minutes. Um, and uh, uh, if you would kindly share how people can connect with Unarius and uh, learn more about uh, Unarius. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, again, just contacting and reading won't give you is the experience of interacting with uh, Unarians because the, the people are phenomenally awesome. And I was blessed uh, in this past year uh, to actually uh, meet people that I've been interacting with for like a decade and a half at least. And uh, that, that remains one of the high points of this past year. Which was, we were so happy to meet you. And yes. people in your area of the country, uh, Unarius will be participating in the New Life Expo in New York at the end of March. I think it's the last weekend of March. We'll be wow. there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll um, be giving two talks, one on past life therapy and one on um, Tesla and free energy. And so we encourage anybody like yourself who is able to, to come into the city, um, it's at the New Yorker Hotel, and um, come and meet us, get to see what Unarius is about. The lectures are free if you attend the expo, and it's a, a great way to get a good introduction <clears throat> and get to meet. Um, I mean, if you want to meet people who are studying Unarius, we'll be there and love to talk. We love to talk to um, anybody who's interested in Unarius, and we're not going to preach because that's not what we're about. We did that right. in our past lives. We're trying to work that out. <laughs> but we just you know, want to share examples and answer questions about what anybody you know, may have about what Unarius is. And then we also have our ongoing classes in San Diego, um, Pacific Day or Pacific Time, Sunday and Wednesday night from 7 to 8.30, and they're streamed live. And if you um, pay for the streaming, which I believe is $5 per class, if you miss a class, it's archived until the next class. So if you're on the East Coast or wherever you are in the world, you can still watch it at your leisure if you can't watch it at you know, the time that we're actually having classes, um, inconvenient for you. And we also encourage um, students to instant message us during class um, so you can be an active participant in the class and ask questions and make comments about whatever topic we're talking about. And then um, coming up before March in February, the 16th and the 17th, is our 65th anniversary. So we'll All be having right. an open house on – yeah, I know. It's exciting. Open house mm -hmm. on Saturday day with a behind-the-scenes tour, and we'll be watching archival footage of, 
of Unarius and the co-founders, Ernest and Ruth Norman, and uh, there'll be live music with the, and the angels sing. And then um, Sunday day, we'll have a creativity workshop and we'll have a mental transmission Sunday night, which is always the highlight of any celebration when we have the transmission, because then we have a direct contact with the Unarius brothers who always give us some wonderful message of um, hope and love and encouragement. And then we have our books that you can purchase, or if you are strapped for money, they're available on libraries throughout the um, throughout the country. And if you you know find a book that you want to um, read, your and it's not available in your library, I'm sure that it's available through interlibrary access. Oh, we also yeah. have um, we air on public access stations, and not that many, but the ones that we air on. Um, Manhattan Neighborhood Network uh, streams it live during um, the time that it airs. Same with um, I think it's Madison, Wisconsin. There's three stations. I don't remember the third one. And then we also on LA 36. And all this information is available on our website at unarius.org. O r g u n a r i u s dot org. Um, you can find out more about how you can find out about what is happening with Unarius. But the LA 36 station has I believe about 25 videos or DVDs that you can watch on demand awesome. at any time. So, and we also it's have free. a YouTube channel. Yeah, it's free. So there's a lot of ways that people can find out about Unarius um, without, you know, just to check us out. We have the Unarius.org website. We have pastlifetherapy.com website, past-lifetherapy.com. We also have Tesla Energy Net. .net website, so we have a lot of information for people to find out about Unarius and um, what it's about and to check it out. Thank you so very much. I was just informed that we have 90 seconds. Paula, do you want to add anything to that? I just I would like to thank you for the opportunity to talk with you all and just to remind everybody that Earth's future is positive and to remember Unarius's motto, love in action. An awesome way to close the show. Thank you so very much. Um, Happy New Year. I will definitely connect with you in uh, in March when you're at the Expo. And I've actually been approached to participate in another really huge Expo. So I will will send the information as soon as I have uh, uh, the fact sheet sent to me. So thanks again. Uh, Please give my regards to everybody in El Cajon. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. Okay, thank you, and I appreciate your being on, and I appreciate everybody listening, either now live or uh, on demand a little later. Until next time, uh, this is Hercules Invictus and Tracy Lynn Kennedy and Paula Greenwood wishing you the best. Thank you. Olympian blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world. One filled with light and love. On behalf of the pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.